parenting. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Uh, let's look at that passage. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, parenting. <laughs> this is quite a topic. I'll be honest with you. Some topics are, are uh, some topics more than others. Some passages more than others uh, bring about a bit of nervousness, nervousness to me. I don't know if it's my sports background. Uh, I absolutely 100% believe in a sovereign God. Um, but, you know, when you, like a baseball player, when they have a game where they go three for four, four for four, they don't change their socks. Uh, they don't change anything about it because they want to keep going what's happening. Uh, the baseball players are notorious for routines. I'm going to be gracious and not call them superstitions. But they're notorious for that. And you know what happens in this? Here's what happens to me because I'm weak-minded. I've come over, over this past year, I've come to a greater realization uh, of a life of one who's called to preach. And that is this. Uh, It's a heavy burden. You go to God's word and you preach his standard and it's perfect, and you also uh, proclaim what God is telling us to do, and we're called to do this, proclaim God's word without compromise. We don't sugarcoat, we don't water down. And so a pastor, when they're teaching God's word, let me tell you a little bit of what happens. Spiritual battle. It happens every single day. And for me, it can be overwhelming at times, because the enemy is crafty. And so when you, a few weeks ago, we were preaching on marriage, which I, I pray you were encouraged. And by God's grace, Karen and I have a good marriage, by God's grace. But when you preach on it, you feel like you're opening yourself up for attack. You really do. You sit there and go, I'm preaching on marriage. Here it comes. Preaching on parenting and children obey your parents. You just go, I think we're going to have a week right now. Here it goes, and sometimes it doesn't take more than 10, 15 minutes before family chaos can hit. And you sit there and go, you just gave God's word on parenting, and you are a failure. And that's what the enemy says. You see, we're in process. We're all in in this mode where God saved us, but yet are we perfect? No, we're not. And you see, there's this school of thought sometimes where pastors aren't supposed to say that they struggle with sin. I mean, this is for real. There are some who say, don't show weakness. That's a lie, and that's bad. That's not true. Pastors aren't perfect. I am not a perfect father. And so it is a heavy thing to come up and say, fathers, here's how we instruct, and here's how we teach our children. So we're all growing. And I tell you this to encourage you. I think sometimes parents, and I'm a little bit off the notes at the moment, but I think sometimes as parents, we play a compare game where we say, oh, look at that family. They're the Cleavers. Ward and June are doing an awesome job, and here's us. We're Archie Bunker. (laughs) You know, we're the Schlep Rocks. And we don't really get a balance. You know who you are? You are who God called you to be. Your marriages, you are with the wife, you are with the husband that God has called you to be with. How do I know this? If you're married, let no one 
separate what God has joined together. So we make it work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your children are your children. And so this compare game that happens to parents causes grief and distress. And sometimes, can I be honest, the church, we're not always the most gracious. Hey, can I pull you aside here? I'm sharing this in love. Would you read this book? This is what we use. Look, when you're saved by grace, what we have just studied in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 You are equipped for parenting because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Now, that being said, there are some fantastic tools, but they are tools, not the rules. And so, go to God's word. Pray. Parenting is about prayer. Marriage is about prayer. Parenting, does it take wisdom? Yeah. What? <laughs> A little chuckle over there. By the way, you were supposed to sit on this side. Sorry. All right, that's okay. <laughs> I'm really thrown off today. Really just, I feel out of balance and like leaning. It's terrible. The family moved today and they're playing tricks on me. But, but you see, I lost where I'm at now. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Parenting does take wisdom. Pray. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who holds back? No, who gives? Does he give weekly? No, he gives generously and without question. Without saying, what do you, Ron? You're asking me for wisdom again, you dummy. That is not what God does. That's what it means when it says without reproach. He's not saying, Ron, you knucklehead, why are you always asking for wisdom? He is saying, go to me, ask for wisdom, I give generously. You see, sometimes I think we've taken parenting and we've made it very, very complicated. Go to the scriptures, go to Jesus, go to his word, pray, ask for wisdom, and don't be lazy. Because it is work. Don't give up. Don't give up. I I hope you're encouraged because we're in this passage where we're looking at spirit-filled households. We saw husbands and wives. And now we see children. We saw children. Now we're seeing parents. In a week or so, we're going to see slaves and masters. So we're preaching on these topics. But we will be tested. We're tested daily in these things. It is important that our parenting, that our marriages are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is where we see if we are obedient day in and day out. You know, and you look at these passages that we've been in for husbands and wives and children obey. You know, Paul is not saying, hey, be a better husband. He's not saying be a better wife. Be more obedient, children. The instruction is not try harder. It is not simply be better. These instructions are the application of God's grace that we saw earlier as we taught through chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is the nuts and bolts. So today, as we look into the instruction and discipleship of children, 
please remember that we as the family of God, all of us, need to be committed to our children. And can I commend you? We have so many of you who serve our children. We have so many of you who help. You help in small groups as your children come together. You help in Sunday school. You help in nursery. If you feel called to do that, we need your help. But we care about our children. The church is called to care and be committed to, to our children. And not just with those who are under our roof, but we need a church. We need each other to love our children, to teach them, to pray for them, to serve them. But of course we know that parents have an awesome and unique stewardship, don't they? Don't we? But all of us, let's hold our children high, in high regard. You know, our children are watching us. Do you guys know that? Children watch adults like hawks, looking for mice. They are zeroed in. I tell this to our youth, too, when they help out in, in uh, VBS-type programs and ministries or whenever they are. They start to imitate who they're around. They see the details. We are teaching them even when we never open our mouths. And so I ask, what are we teaching our children? What are they learning from us? When the children of Grace Bible Church watch us as a church, do they see adults and parents who are amazed by God's grace? Do they see adults and parents who are devoted to Jesus Christ and devoted to prayer, devoted to teaching, devoted to one another? Do they see fathers and mothers and adults who sing out in praise and adoration to their Savior? Our kids are watching Look at Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. We were there a few weeks ago. Our children are watching. Do they see a church? Do they see you? Do they see parents who are speaking truth lovingly? Or do they see hostility? Do they see you being generous? Do they see a generosity in the church? Or do they see materialism? Do they see encouragement to others? Or do they see bitterness and anger? Do they see confession and repentance when sin occurs? Do they see forgiveness and kindness? Our kids are watching. Children receive from their parents. Children receive from the church a reflection of God. Spirit-filled parenting gives children a picture of love, authority, and protection. You see, you and me, we're all influential. We're very influential. We're being watched. Kim, I, I know I keep saying this, but kids imitate and copy. Any of you baseball? I know I always bring up baseball. I love baseball. But when you go to a little league game with like fourth and fifth graders, I can some, if I'm really in tune to professional baseball, I can tell what kid uh, who their favorite player is. They copy their batting stance. They sit there and go, Buster Posey stands this way. I'm going to stand this way at the plate. They imitate. Do we give them something to imitate in, forms, in, in terms of godliness and loving Christ? What are our kids seeing? What's your kid's picture of marriage? Friends, if you have a child who has trouble submitting, can I ask you a question? Do your kids learn submission and obedience from you?
Say, man, my kid doesn't respect authority. Do you badmouth authority like presidents at the dinner table every night? We don't have to agree with all of our political leaders. I certainly don't. But scripture tells us to respect and submit. You see, we've seen this in the scriptures. We're all called to submit and obey God. You can't read the book of Ephesians without seeing the theme of obedience and the theme of submission. And so children are watching how we obey God and we fall. And please, when we fall, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Admit and confess your sins. That's what scripture calls us to do. In fact, in James, confess your sins to one another. If you sin against your kid, confess and repent. Ask for their forgiveness. They may look at you like, what in the world just happened? I'm usually on, that. we had a flip happen here. They're like, am I in the twilight zone? Dad's the one saying I did something wrong? They need to see that. Why? Because we point them to grace. We point them to the forgiveness that Christ offers and gives us on the, at the cross. We need to show them not just grace that saves, but the same grace that sanctifies and empowers holy living. So, yes, I have rambled. What an introduction. <laughs> Let's get to our verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want to look back quickly at verses 1 through 3, too. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What I want to do is just kind of look, look at what Paul lays out here in, this, in our context here. How does he address, how does he, how does he describe or reveal what, what uh, parents are? Children, obey your parents, father and mother. He has that listed there. Honor your father and mother. But then in verse 4, it moves to fathers. And so you say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The question that comes up is, well, what about moms? Where do they fit in in this? Here's what I think. Actually, the word for fathers there at other times in Scripture can mean and did mean both parents. So what is it? I think what we have here is this is really parenting. This is both. But there is an aspect that Paul is zeroing in on fathers. And I think from the context of the times, the context of our passage, there's a reason for that. But we know that it's a father and a mother's job to, dis to disciple your children. It's for both of you. But you may be a single parent. So if you're a single mom, this applies. Don't say, oh, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. You do the same. God may have you at a place where you're a single mom or a single father. Okay, that is what's happening. Still be obedient to the scriptures. And then I would also say this, as I, as I think about this, this is where the church comes in. Single moms, lean on the church. Let us help. Single fathers, lean on the church. Let us partner together in the discipleship of your children. We want to help. It is a heavy job. My prayers are with you. But my prayers are with all parents here. 
This is difficult. But it's the father and mother's job. Look at Proverbs 6, 20 through 22. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will talk with you. Instruction from parents. Remember Timothy? It looks like Timothy had an unsaved father. Do we know that for absolute certain? Probably not. But I'm going to say he did. That's really what I believe. And what did Paul give instruction to Timothy? He told them, he said, remember, hold fast to the instruction he received from his mother and grandmother. He was told to hold on to this. So it's the parent's job to instruct and to disciple. Parents, parenting works best when you are united and working together. Don't have a divided front. Your kids will pick that up in a second. Show of hands. If you wanted something, how many of you knew who to go to? How many of you ever made the mistake of maybe asking one, getting a no, and going to the other? They did the end around. Or your kids do that to you. <laughs> Mom says no. Here's what would happen in our house because dad gets a little lazy. Sure. Dad, can I have a cookie? Sure. Cookies are good. All right, mom said no. Whoa, back up. <laughs> now you're in trouble. Don't do that. What mom says, I go with. What I say, mom goes with. Be united. Do not be divided in your parenting. And so that's why I say this, because certainly, can mothers provoke their children to anger? Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine. But there is special emphasis to dads. In the first instruction we see in our passage, do not provoke your children to anger. You know, remember in the context here, in the time of Roman rule, do you know that fathers had absolute 100% authority and control over their children? What that meant was oftentimes fathers were harsh and evil. They could sell their children without consequence. They could kill their children without fear of consequence. It wasn't uncommon for abandonment of children to happen, for the selling of, of, of our children in, in the slavery of their children. The Roman times were an evil time, which, by the way, we live in an evil time too. Don't elevate our time. We've been sinful since Adam fell. Fathers, I know we're not supposed to make general statements in this age of political correctness. But I think if we're being honest, fathers tend to have some particular struggles with harshness and being overbearing 
and to dominate and discourage your children. Can a mother do that too? Yes. But I think fathers struggle with this. Want proof? Back to baseball. Spend some time at a little league game and watch the professional coaches sitting in the stands who are convinced that they have the next Buster Posey under their roof. Growing up playing baseball, I had friends who, if they made mistakes, one was, I think of one in particular, he was a catcher. If he didn't have a good game, after the game, father would, pitch, would uh, put a bucket of balls at home plate, and he had, and he put a trash can at second base, and he would have to continually throw, and he'd have to get 100 in the can before he could go home. I've seen parents, uh, I have, actually I haven't seen mothers do this. I've seen fathers make their kids run laps for bad games, run sprints. There's a harshness that I think we struggle with. There's a perfectionist, perfectionism that we sometimes struggle with. Fathers, don't crush fun. And I think sometimes we do that. We must be fair, loving, and calm with our children. And I don't really want to, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think I was harder on husbands is kind of what Karen told me when we talked about wives and husbands. Maybe it's because I'm a dad. Maybe it's because I know my struggles that I kind of just, well... Guys, we're called to be leaders. We're called to be Christ-like. And so, yeah, I'm hard on guys. I'm hard on myself, too. There's a holiness. There is a parenting that we need to do that's Christ-centered. And I want to give us a few ways that we discourage and provoke our kids to anger, but we're getting to positive. But I want to challenge you. I just want you to examine your heart where you're at, because this is important. So I want to give a few ways we discourage and provoke our kids to anger because we're not to do it. I think number one, we forget their kids. We forget their kids. I've had three daughters. I have three daughters. And I've learned that our children are not going to operate, operate with military precision. They're going to leave jackets on the playground that will never be found again. They're going to forget their lunches. They will lose library books. They will make mistakes. They will make a lot of mistakes. And it's important for us to discern. And by the way, are those mistakes frustrating? Yeah, it is. It's frustrating. You're like, really? I got to go buy another jacket. Cool. For me, it was baseball gloves. I went through many of them. They're going to make mistakes, but it's important for us to discern. And again, this is where wisdom needs to be prayed for and asked for. It's important to discern what are mistakes made from sinful rebellion and willful dis disobedience in a hard heart, or is it a mistake just due to their brains a bit mushy? We need to lovingly help our children mature. They're going to make kid-type mistakes. And I don't know if that's where we need to go DEFCON 5. K 
care more about a heart of disobedience rather than the mistakes that we all make. I was in a restaurant one time and I saw a kid get the biggest look of terror over spilling his milk. I honestly thought, I mean, it looked like he, he shrunk back and went like this and covered. And it broke my heart because I still spill milk. And it wasn't like, hey, watch me, whack. It was a mistake. Parents, fathers, remember their kids. Second, I think inconsistent discipline can drive a kid crazy. They don't know what to expect. Let's be consistent. Hey, husbands, take your wife out sit down and say, let's, let's, work on, let's work on some consistency. Let's set the standards that they're supposed to be, and let's do it. We had a summer of discipline one time. It's like, we're going to shape up the house. This is the summer. The kids were little, and it was just kind of out of control. Karen and I went out and said, this is the summer of discipline. Did it work well? Yeah. <laughs> mezzo, mezzo. Yeah. yeah. Again this year. Sounds good. <laughs> Be consistent and be fair. Let them know what's expected and then hold to it. Again, it's right to require obedience. Be consistent and be fair. I hope this doesn't happen and I, I'm sure I've made mistakes in this area. We discourage and provoke our kids when we compare them to others. Why can't you be like makes it even more difficult. It's like, why aren't you like your brother? Why aren't you like your sister? Why do they get straight A's? Why do you struggle? They may struggle in school. Don't compare. Your, each child you have is a gift. And they're going to come with a very unique set of struggles. And they're going to come with a very unique set of blessings. Don't compare. I think we provoke and discourage our kids when we neglect to praise and encourage Fathers when, your, fathers, when your child colors you a picture, treasure it like it was a Monet. Don't point out the flaws. Don't say, oh man, that's great. Let me show you how you can do better. They did better. They did the work. Put it up on your fridge. Put it in your office. And then brag about your kids in a godly way. Not the bad kind of bragging that the Bible doesn't like that God doesn't like, but the one where you say, look at my kid, I'm proud. They have a bad day, they have a bad game. Praise and encourage them for their attitude, for their sportsmanship, for their character, which lasts longer than a baseball or soccer game. I hope this is changing I know my father had said that he knew his dad loved him, but that his dad never said it. And by the way, I, I, knew, I was blessed to know my grandpa. Very loving man. But there was this old school style where dads don't say I love you. You know, tough dock worker. Longshoreman. Tell your kids often that you love them. 
It's okay to be soft, okay? Use wisdom as a how to when to discipline. And again, be careful not to discipline for reasons outside of defiance and willful disobedience. And in discipline, remember in Ephesians, fathers, mothers, all of us, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your child and don't make your child live under a cloud of anger. Forgive. We could go more, and I, I want to move to the good stuff. And I'm sure for all of us, I, I pray the Holy Spirit is convicting all of us in areas where we fall short in this, and then we'll, we'll go to God's word and we'll grow in this area. But fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's the negative command. But look at this positive, but. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, Give your kids Jesus. Give your kids Jesus. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I love this command because it's positive. It lists three things. Bring up, discipline, and instruct. Bring them up. You know what that's tied to? When Paul is using the word bring them up, it's similar to what he said in chapter 5, verse 29. Let's look at that. I have a cloudy contact lens today, so I'm having troubles. There it is. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. This word for bring them up, this is cherish. This is nourish. Cherish your children. Love them. Bring them up. Nourish them. Give them healthy instruction. Bring them, give them Jesus. Nourish and cherish. This is providing, this is feeding. John Calvin said it this way, let them be fondly cherished. I like that. Care for your children lovingly. And then we have dis discipline, train, instruct. We're to teach them, to counsel them, to admonish them, to warn them. Discipline is training, and yes, it does include punishment, but discipline's more than just punishment. It's a training that we do, and it's loving. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 3, and the writer says this, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? So look at, we're being addressed now as sons from God. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. 
So when you think about disciplining your children, one, I want you to think about the discipline God gives us. Is it merciful and is it gracious? Does it not even say that in our uh, verse four, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. God is gracious to us. In our struggle, he does not whack us over the head with a two by four. He doesn't drop kick us. He disciplines us, but it's a loving instruction to make us who we're supposed to be. And he disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And look at, as the writer goes on, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Look, if you let your kid run wild, you're not loving your kid. Instruct them. Give them Jesus. And say, did you just goof up? Yes. Well, what is the cure? Try harder? No, the cure is Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. Confess your sins. Run to God. And then the Holy Spirit empowers obedience. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Whoa. Can you imagine? Do you know what that just said? It says this, be thankful for and seek the discipline of God because it's proof you're his kid. Oh man, I, 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 uh, as a, I got in trouble more than my brother and sister combined when I was a kid. I was that kid. Uh, you know, hey, pray for discipline. What, what? Do you see how gracious discipline is? It's proof of God's love. He's saying, hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. I am not going to leave you at point A. I am taking you all the way to glory. And then in heaven, we're completed, right? But along the way, we have this gracious God who instructs us, who disciplines us. And he's not heavy-handed in it. Amazing. What a, what a father we have. And then it says this, besides this, we, have, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Fathers, mothers, discipline, point them to Jesus. Use it as a tool to point them to Christ for their holiness. You know what happens when you have a military-style rule in a household? Kids can't wait to get out and break them. Colleges are full of kids who just can't wait to leave the heavy hand. 
where it's just do better, do better. Here's the rules, here's the rules. Discipline is instruction that points to Jesus. But is it important that we do it? We have to do it. We cannot be lazy about this. See, discipline is also instruction. When we discipline, remember what Paul told us and instructed us about our anger. Our discipline must be under control. And look at the discipline we administer is of the Lord. And discipline must honor the Lord. We must be Christ-centered parents. I read this this week, and I just will close with a few little things. And I, I, and I want it to be application. Some of it I've done, some, some things I haven't. But I like this small quote I read. Parents, have fun and talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus a lot. Have fun and talk about Jesus a lot. What is the Great Commission? Go ye into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always. What that is, is it says go into the world. People say, oh, that means go to Asia, go to New York, go here, go there. No, it's the word is actually used as you are going. As you live your lives, make disciples. Well, what better way than to make disciples of our children as you are going? Fulfill the Great Commission and start with your children. You need to go to Ace, grab a kid, throw him in the car, talk about Jesus, and buy him ice cream while they're at it. <laughs> when they're eyeing the candy that Ace hardware puts right in that prime position, those lollipops that sit there on the, on the thing, buy them. It's, it's, maybe you don't want to, that's fine. I'm not, this is not legalism right here. This is just, this is just like, yeah, legalistic, buy your kids candy. I'm not saying that, but isn't it nice to be kind? Surprise them? Yeah, candy's not necessarily good for them, so maybe do something different. I like candy, that's why I buy it, so we can share it together. As they get older, take them to Starbucks and let them get the macchiato, even though it's pretty pricey. Instruct your kids, spend time with your kids as you are going, throw them in the car. And disciple your kids. When you get to a cash, uh, you pay. And you pay cash. And the uh, checker gave you 10 cents too more. You look and you say, oh, here's 10 cents. You gave me too much. And your kid will go, what? That was a bonus, dad. <laughs> they will. Their eyes will get big and they'll go, you gave them back money? Yes, because then you say, it is stealing to take what isn't mine. Jesus does not approve of even a dime that doesn't belong to me going into my pocket. I love Jesus more than the dime. Discipleship. Ask him questions. 
Your kids, they have moments of brilliance. But they also have moments that we know about. You know, like, eh, not so brilliant. You know what some of my fondest memories when Katie was a little bit little, younger? Every night, and I still do this. I go in, I pray with her every night. But I would lay on her bed, and one day, I want to say five, six years old, Dad, are we going to talk about important things tonight? Well, what are important things? You know, God and stuff. Hmm, she's listening. Talk about important things. Show them the grace of God in creation. Show them kindness when you're cut off, which I do not do. Instruct your kids. Fathers, take your daughter on a date and tell them this. Someday a young man is going to knock on the door and he's going to say, can I take your daughter out to dinner? Can I take you out to dinner? And you, I may say yes, I may say no. But if I say yes, make sure he treats you as good or better than I'm treating you right now. Tell them they're valuable. I'm not going to let any loser date my daughter. Does that sound harsh? Okay. Well, I would like to give the loser Jesus too. I would. Seriously. So I hope that didn't. But it's important. Play with your kids and talk about Jesus. When you're tired, after work, get on the carpet and get down there and wrestle. Father, show affection to your daughters. Show affection to your sons. Man, I miss being able to pick them up and like throw them as high as I actually could. Now I'd hurt myself. <laughs> we have a stewardship, and it's a short time. This is one thing I can say with certainty. And by the way, I just love seeing all the young families in here. I, I, I sit there and say, but can I just tell you something, though? Parenting changes. It doesn't get easier. Sorry. <laughs> it just changes. The challenges become different. You're no longer worried about the ravioli that sat in the mouth for a half hour and hasn't gone down yet. True story. <laughs> but you worry about, will they be provided for? Will they be able to provide? Can they get a job? <laughs> These are the things, it, it changes. It just changes. It doesn't get easier. So what do we do? Point them to Christ. And as parents, pray for wisdom. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. Run to the scriptures. Celebrate successes that your kids have. Warn them about the traps of the enemy. Bring them to Proverbs. But go, have fun, and as you are going, talk about Jesus a lot and disciple your children. And you may say, Ron, I don't know a whole lot. Again, catch up. 
Know this book. Let it flow from you. This book will change you. You will be so enamored with the love of Jesus Christ that you say, I want to show that love to my children and I want them to love Jesus like I love Jesus. He saved me. He is my salvation. Church. Some of, some of you have kids out of the house. You have, don't have kids. Wherever you're at, let us honor and love our children. And we do that by pointing them to Christ. Give your kids Jesus. You guys get that? Do you understand? All right, that wasn't your typical 10 ways to be a better parent message. That was kind of a lot of random thoughts from Ron from the scriptures and sharing my heart. I, I trust you're encouraged. Don't be discouraged in parenting. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3. You are equipped for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before him that you should walk in them. Guess what? You were given gifts of your children. You are Christ's work. You can be the parent God wants you to be. Submit to Christ and he will guide you in your parenting. Go to his word. He will guide you in your parenting. Ask for wisdom and he gives generously and he never gets tired of you asking. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I I just thank you for each, each person in here. Father, thank you for the joy that we all share together because of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for our Sunday school teachers who sacrifice time and service, time of worship together to disciple and train our children, to point them to Jesus. Father, thank you for one another in here, each of us. May we be a church that prays for one another, that encourages one another. Father, may we be a church, may we be a people, may we be families that run to your word, that point our children to Christ. Father, give us strength for this calling. And we know you will, because you are good, and your promises are true. Thank you for this simple verse, instructing us not to provoke and discourage our children, but to, but to instead give them Jesus, to instruct them and bring them up in the teaching of the Lord. You will strengthen us to do this, and so we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.